Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 755. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at Rabbi Ismach at take10fortorah.org. This week's Parsha Bahar B'chukosai, of course, begins in Parsha's Bahar with the command of Shemitah. God spoke to Moshe at Har Sinai, saying, Speak to the Jews and say to them, Shabbos Lashem. So you're going to speak to the land so that when, I'm sorry, speak to the people so that when they come to the land that I'm going to give them, they're going to do this Shabbos. But this is not the Shabbos that we're familiar with. This is not the Shabbos that comes once every week. This is the Shabbos, of course, that comes with seven years of planting. And so this is the seven-year agricultural cycle that we know, and it's the mitzvah of Shvi'ah. So over the course of the week, maybe we'll discuss the mitzvah itself again. But I wanted to talk about this first Pasuk because it's a very famous Pasuk, and Rashi asks a very well-known question. Rashi says, Ma inyan Shemitah etzel har Sinai? What does Shemitah have to do with har Sinai? And so you take a look at Rashi. Rashi is wondering, what in the world is this commandment of Shemitah, or I should say, why in the world is this commandment preceded by Vayidabar Hashem o Moshe behar Sinai lemar? Why is that significant? Wasn't everything told at Har Sinai, or were many things told at Har Sinai? Why specifically is this mitzvah addressed, not just Vayidabar Hashem El Moshe Lemar, but specifically the location of where this statement was made? Why is this significant? So Rashi says, very famous answer. You know, and this, uh, interestingly, uh, colloquially in Hebrew, in Israeli Hebrew, uh, my, I believe that Ma'inyan Shemitah Ezel Har Sinai is like kind of, you know, what's the price of tea in China? It's a non sequitur. One has nothing to do with the other. So Ma'inyan Shemitah Ezel Har Sinai is how Israelis say, what's the price of tea in China? If you've never heard the expression, what's the price of tea in China? I'm sorry, because that won't help you much. Okay, it's a non sequitur expression. So Rashi says, I'll tell you what it is. Rather, uh, just like all of the rules in Shemitah, if you take a look at the extended detail that is expressed, unlike many other mitzvahs, the extended detail that's expressed in this week's parsha here at the beginning in regard to Shemitah, so this acts as a model. So too, all the other mitzvahs are also uh, were of this format, whether or not the Torah records all of those details here or not, all of them were presented in great detail. And so that's Rashi's well-known interpretation. Now, why, uh, you know, this is evident from the fact that Shemitah is already repeated, the Ramban says, or Shemitah came up already in Parshas Mishpatim, and yes, yet it's repeated again, and it's repeated with all that detail to indicate that when it was taught, it was taught with this level of detail. The question, though, is, why Shemitah, right? Because everybody could have uh, suggested a different mitzvah that could have been the one that acts as the model for detailed expression and detailed law-giving. Why is Shemitah that example? So that answer Rashi is not uh, addressing. And so I saw a few different answers, a couple of very interesting answers that I want to share with you. One answer I particularly like, uh, why is it that Shemitah acts as the model mitzvah to express this idea that all of the details were taught at Sinai, whereas every or any other mitzvah could have been used in that way. So I'll begin with Rabbeinu Bachia. Rabbeinu Bachia says that the reason is is because the same way uh, Shabbos, the commandment of Shabbos, is in the Ten Commandments. It was given at Sinai, at Maimed Har Sinai, at the moment of Revelation, is one of the ten. So too, Shemitah actually shares a significant 
element of uh, obvious Shabbos association. And we're going to get to a little bit more about this later on in the in the 10. We have uh, Shabbos, which requires us to take a day off, which is difficult, especially if your job is a seven-day-a-week job, or six days a week, but the wrong six days. And Shemitah requires very much the same. It's a, it's a faith-based mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that requires really sticking your neck out. It's something which is a very important act of belief and emunah, trust, that we have in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so because of the significance of Shemitah, just like Shabbos, you might ask, why is Shabbos of all the mitzvahs on all the Ten Commandments? The answer is because of its faith significance, so too Shemitah. There's another answer that's given that, uh, and I heard this from Glenn Zuckerman, I want to give him credit. He said, no, Shemitah is the one that's given our Sinai stressed because Shemitah wouldn't be relevant for a very long time. Why? Because they still had 40 years of time in the desert, even if they didn't know that yet. They had 40 years left in the desert, and then they would have to conquest and kibush, and and they would have to set up um, and separate all of the different lands in Israel to divide, and then they'd have to start planting, and then it would still take another seven years until this mitzvah was relevant. And so the point was that Torah is relevant for the future. Torah lists its laws, and it takes and it chooses as its mitzvah to express this point that all the details are there the mitzvah would be the furthest out uh, from relevance the furthest away from actual current performance some say that that's actually for a different reason it was a lot easier to keep or a lot easier to listen to the command of Shemitah to inculcate that into my uh, brain when it wasn't relevant if you would have told this to me in year three then it would have been very difficult but because it's so far out we can intellectualize it we can understand it well before we can pass it to our children well before it's ever relevant but I want to share with you an answer that Moshe Feinstein says he focuses on the faith element as well and I'm adding a little bit to what he says but let me explain um, what he means. You know, you take a look at uh, the options of where the Torah comes from, and, you know, of course, it's either a, a sort of a human constructed uh, book with a lot of mitzvahs, or it's something, you know, which put, got put together over the course of time by human beings, or, of course, as we believe, uh, it, comes, it comes from God through the pen of Moshe. Now, if you imagine the alternative, right? Imagine the alternative that people got together in a room and decided to plot to create a Torah. You could imagine exactly how the conversation goes down. You have people who are suggesting, you know, listen, we want to create a society. We want to create a society that works. We want to make sure that there are rituals that are, you know, somewhat arbitrary but not too crazy so we can associate people together. They have the same common shared belief and the same common practices. You, you can imagine how the conversation would go and you would be around the table and somebody would suggest, um, okay, don't steal, don't murder, don't kill, all of the things that we're uh, familiar with, you know, you, you, you can't do in a regular society, otherwise it'll break down. And then some people, you know, throw in, I don't know, let's do a little of an esrog, that should be fun, you know, a nice little water festival, and let's do this, and let's do that, circumcision, I'm not sure how that one passed, but okay, circumcision got in there too, I guess there was a health benefit or something they felt. And so finally, you get to 612, I don't know, they got 612, and they really magically liked the number 613. So some guy pipes up in the corner, and he says, oh, I got a great one. I just read uh, or saw National Geographic that, you know, if you leave your land fallow once every seven years, it's really good for the nutrients to, to uh, replenish themselves in the dirt so that when you plant in the next year, you'll have an uh, even better crop. 
Uh, so they say, so what are you proposing? So I'm proposing that we should, every seven years, take some time off from the land. So you imagine that this meeting would go down, this meeting at the supposed creation of the Torah, uh, whether or not this happened over time, or obviously at one meeting, it doesn't really matter. But somebody suggests that this would be a good ritual, this would be a good thing to do, because, I guess, of the benefits towards the land. What's everybody else in the committee meeting going to say? I mean, it's a little bit crazy. Your religion's going to last six years. Because on the seventh year, when there will not be any sort of produce that is there, no one will have anything to eat. And so they say, you know, it's not a bad idea, so let's stagger it. Let's stagger it. Maybe their uh, Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, wherever the Jews are going to live, should be divided into seven different parts. Each section, each segment is going to be doing this practice in a separate uh, part of the year or a separate part a separate year actually so the guy says no 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 that's not what i mean it's got to be all the same year to which everybody responds that's crazy that's nuts people are going to look at this book and they're going to think we're nuts there's no way we're going to survive this seventh year so you you know whoever it is the guy who really really pitched this and really wants this to work he says i know what we'll do what we'll do is we'll write in the book that in the sixth year you're going to have a double crop and you're going to be able to survive through the seventh because of the extra crop in the sixth. We're going to write how we're going to create a blessing so that you're able to exist and, and somehow survive based on the bumper crop of the sixth year. To which everybody around the table says, beautiful, you can write that, but we can't guarantee that. So what are we going to do? How could we do that? We can't possibly put a mitzvah like this in the Torah. Says Rav Moshe Feinstein that the notion of Shemitah even being in the Torah, and particularly what the Pesukim later says, when you're going to ask, the Torah says in this week's parasha, you're going to ask, you're going to say, what in the world? How am I going to survive? And God responds, I will command, I will make uh, a blessing in the sixth year so that you will be okay you know, that is evidence, says Rav Moshe, that is evidence of a divine document, that this is uh, not something that human beings and their psychology would have al- ever allowed them to write. It is an inevitably and innately divine. And so, says Rav Moshe, that's why Shemitah is the most significant of mitzvahs, and because it's the most significant of mitzvahs, it's used as the model. So whether or not it's similarities to Shabbos, or whether or not there's another reason uh, why Shemitah is so significant, Shemitah, Eitzel Harasina, why is it there? Because it's significant, it's important, and it's teaching us some really, really critical things. Have a great day.